Hi, you're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to The Retail Perch. We're uh, actually looking forward to this episode. We're going to be discussing some fun things, a little off the beaten track of uh, dealing just with technology items like we have before. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the latest news, some of the stuff that's uh, caught most of the headlines and definitely caught Gary's eye and maybe, you know, offer some perspectives on uh, where we think the world is going. So, Gary, how are you? Great. Great to be with you again. I got a few things here I know that's come out of the news in the last uh, few weeks. I thought we'll get some reactions from you and maybe discuss uh, where this might what the implications are. I think the first thing that showed up here, and I saw this recently in a headline, is Kroger announcing its Q2 results. And again, looks like an astounding quarter with some amazing numbers. Yeah, I think Kroger's results are continuing the string of supermarket retailers, grocery retailers, you know, reporting some strong increases in sales and other performance, right? I think if I'm recalling right, Kroger reported same store sales increases of 15%, which is just unbelievable, right? When you think historically in this industry and a growth of 127% in their online sales. I mean, it's just wow. unbelievable what's happening. And that is amazing. And you think this is not something that's happening because of the whole COVID situation, or do you think it's their continuing efforts of their whole personalized marketing approach? So I think in Kroger's case, it's probably both. And a lot of the sales increases we're seeing grocery retailers reporting certainly have come from the whole COVID crisis, right? More people eating at home, not going out as much and so on. Most retailers that I'm talking with and that I'm reading about are planning that they're going to be able to keep a good portion of those sales, even as things go back to some kind of normal, restaurants start opening up more and people start going out again. The retailers seem to be planning on a relatively permanent shift of those dollars back to the store. So I think that's going to be interesting. See how that yeah, plays out. Yeah, thinking maybe people have become better cooks now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think got, there's something to that. Right, right. I think they've got an uh, opportunity to try more dishes at home than they've ever had before. They're certainly baking more, I know that for sure. Uh, from some of the data that we see. And do you expect these strong numbers to continue? I think we're going to see the moderator plateau. We're certainly seeing that with online sales already that many retailers are reporting. They've sort of stabilized, if not even dipped a little bit. I don't think relative to online, that's going to be permanent. I think we'll see online go back into a growth mode, although maybe more slowly than, you know, during the crisis. But let's go back to a comment you just made about Kroger. You know, is that sales increase driven by the COVID crisis or is it driven by personalization and other things they're doing in the digital world? And something I've written about a couple of times in the past is I, I think Kroger has done an incredible job of really creating sort of this upward cycle of value creation. If you look back over the last 15 years as Kroger has leveraged customer data, they have used that across the enterprise, but certainly to personalize promotions and, and offers to customers. By doing that, getting more customers to do more shopping with them, as sales go up, gross margins strengthen, and Kroger has been very disciplined about investing some of those increased margins back into more strategic lower pricing to attract more people. I think we're going to see Kroger really take advantage of this situation as their sales have gone up 
they've got more people shopping now, both online and in the store, they're really going to kick that whole cycle into high gear. We've also noticed in general that obviously grocery scales have gone up across the board. It'd be interesting to see whether how many of these retailers have really learned to adapt and retain some of those sales? You know, have they changed their marketing practices to adapt to this newfound abundance of shoppers? I think that's a really good question. Sadly, I'm afraid a good number of retailers are sort of sitting there, you know, I don't want to say fat, dumb, and happy today. Oh boy, sales are up 5%, 10%, 15%, life is good not really understanding under the surface what's going on with where are those dollars coming from relative to customers. And to your point, are they really looking ahead to can we retain that business? Can we intelligently grow it, expand it? I'd love to put a bookmark here, if you could, in time for the show and say, hey, in a year from now, we're going to come back and see exactly where some of these results stand with some of these retailers. Hopefully, we'll be past this crisis by then. And we'll see how, which of these retailers have actually managed to hang on to these sales and managed to grow their sales quarter over quarter. That'd be really interesting to see. It really would. So that's a good idea. We should put a note on our calendars to do that because I do agree. I think we're at an inflection point here in how there are a number of areas that have all come together and been accelerated by the COVID crisis here. The importance of digital engagement. Now, some retailers, a growing number of retailers get that now. They realize the importance of it. They're pushing hard to do that. Others don't. Now, some retailers are now understanding the importance of having customer level data and understanding where these sales are coming from, where they're not coming from, and so on, using that intelligence and in how to go to market. But I think that's a good call out. I do think we're at an inflection point here. Well, that leads me to the second topic here. This is no surprise, but we've been hearing for the longest time that Amazon has been planning to open up a regular supermarket under a different banner, not Whole Foods. And I believe this is in Los Angeles that they've opened up one, Gary, yes. to yes. my understanding. And they've got these smart carts that they have that scans what's in your cart. Yeah. And I think we all saw this coming for a while. We knew this was eventually going to happen. But now that it's here... Do you expect that this is going to accelerate? They're going to be opening up stores all over the place. Yeah, yeah. my understanding is, as you just said, this has been known for some time. Speculation a year ago was that that store was going to open up around the beginning of the year uh, to the public. What happened was the, the whole COVID crisis hit. Amazon pivoted in real time and made that a dark store and used that to fulfill online orders for that surrounding area. But now that they've gotten everything under control, they've opened that store up now to retail. And I think they're calling it Amazon Fresh. And to your point, using Amazon smart carts now to speed checkout, provide contactless shopping and so on. And my understanding is Amazon has already secured a lot of leases in different cities and areas across the country where they're going to be opening up this format. That must be scary news for a lot of people. Yeah. Amazon is on a roll here. I think what's fascinating to look at is Amazon doesn't always get it right the first time. They make mistakes. And right. yeah, they can afford to make mistakes, but they learn from them and they iterate, they come back again and they get it right and then they go. We're seeing them develop not only Whole Foods and continue to experiment with that and innovate around the Whole Foods operation, but now the Amazon Fresh format, Amazon Go stores continuing to open up, and the other format they have, Amazon Go Grocery, right, which is a 10,000 plus square foot store. They just announced opening the second one 
with all the camera technology and computer vision and so on. So right. Amazon's absolutely on a roll and they seem to be very fixated on grocery. Now, clearly from a technology standpoint, it's gonna be very difficult for a traditional retailer to compete with Amazon. What do you think their uh, secret sauce is here? What, what advantage do they have? I mean, these guys have been in business, many of these stores for 50, 80, 100 years, and they've got to develop some edge that they can utilize to stay relevant, or are they just seeing the writing on the wall? Are you saying Amazon? No, I mean the or other the stores. Other retailers? Yeah, the other retailers. So I think other retailers, if they're going to play this game, they've got to continue to leverage new tech and capability and innovation to maintain some kind of performance parity with Amazon. And I think there's two sides to that. There's performance parity around cost of operations, right? And just overhead and what it takes to, to operate a store. And you know, when you don't have cashiers, your cost of operations are significantly lower than a traditional store. But I think the other side that not too many people have thought about yet is maintaining that performance parity around marketing. And I, I've said for some time, I expect Amazon to really upend marketing in this industry by not being product driven, truly focusing on each individual customer and not caring what product specifically that customer buys, but getting the right products promoted to each individual customer to drive growing share of wallet, growing lifetime value. I mean, of course, given the fact that they already have massive distribution centers around the country, allows them to set up dark stores to improve their operational expense from a distribution perspective. So, I mean, this is a tough one, right? I mean, yeah. must, this must be keeping a lot of people up at night and wondering how they can compete. They just opened up a Whole Foods dark store in New York. Right. So if there's any retailers listening out there, I know we'd like to understand what your concerns are. How do you plan to compete? What are you thinking about? What kind of solutions are out there that'll help you compete? It's one of those stories, Gary, that's difficult to say is exciting. It depends it's on who's reading the story. It's scary. And just before we leave Amazon, I think one of the other elements there you can't lose sight of is their prowess around delivery, right? I know since we've moved, Heather has now taken to ordering online from them because she can have stuff at the door within less than two hours. Wow. Well, that, that actually is a perfect segue to the next topic, because we also heard recently that the FAA gave Amazon <laughs> approval to deliver by drones. And again, this is one of those things that we've been hearing for a few years. We knew this was going to happen. And I guess eventually they've gotten approval. And I guess in a year or two, we wouldn't be surprised seeing a bunch of drones flying around delivering groceries and other products. But what do you think that even does to people's shopping habits? I think it more and more gives people the freedom or the ability to not have to go to the store, right? To avoid that hassle or that headache if they see it as such. The faster, just like my example with Heather ordering because she can get stuff within two hours now. If using drones can make delivery that much more efficient, that much more faster, it just continues to reduce the barrier to shopping online. And I know that Walmart is probably close on their heels. They're probably also applying for permission to deliver yes. by drones. Yes. Yeah. And all the other, many of the other big retailers are also in partnerships and looking at how they can leverage that technology. I think to your point, now that Amazon has gotten FAA approval, I think we're going to see this just explode. 
this whole space. Yeah, I'm just thinking my skies are going to be changing pretty soon. <laughs> well, well, they are. I mean, maybe it's not the best technology for delivery efficiency in the middle of Manhattan. Although these days, Manhattan's pretty quiet. Maybe it that's, works. That's right. But, you know, you move out to the suburbs, like out where you live or, you know, where I am outside Denver, it could be very appropriate. This is a Plenty of space for that thing to come land, drop down in the front yard or the backyard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it makes total sense that you could just have a truck pull up that carries groceries for a one mile radius. A bunch of drones yeah. come out, pick up the bags and just drop it off at the drive. Off they go. Yeah, you know, I don't see why it can't happen. So folks, I mean, brace yourself because I think the next couple of years is going to be pretty exciting. We're going to be entering the future in a big way here. So, so that takes me into the next topic, which I think is also incredibly interesting. TikTok's been in the news here for the last month and a half about privacy and data collection. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think eventually we heard recently that Oracle is going to be stepping in and uh, take over some of the operations, although it's very unclear whether it's ownership or operations or technology. Yeah. However, I, I know that I think in between it was Microsoft and Walmart. And so I was just very curious as to why Walmart would possibly want to have any piece of this. And I think the more we thought about it, and I think you mentioned this in one of our conversations, is everybody's after digital. Yes. And that's where the future shoppers are. And, and that's probably why they're interested. So yeah. what do you think? I, I think the whole TikTok story up until that Walmart announcement was primarily of interest to marketers right? Because how can I leverage that platform, advertise and so on. But when it was announced that Walmart was in the mix, partnering with Microsoft to try to buy it, that should have caused a lot of CEOs and a lot of executives across the retail industry to sit up and take notice. As I write about my upcoming Retail 4.0 paper, I think that the industry is really beginning to undergo a real digital metamorphosis. And part of that it's not just about digital engagement with customers. It's not just about growing digital ad networks based off of that, but it's really stepping back and understanding that digital everything is the future to value creation going forward. I think it's fascinating to watch a Walmart actually make a play for TikTok, even though apparently they're unsuccessful with it, but taking that view, right, to make a massive investment into something, to grow that digital network and those connections across their customer base out into that digital world. I give credit to Walmart for being really forward-looking, and I think that should be a real big wake-up call to re retail industry executives. It would have been something if, if Walmart was actually being run by, I mean, TikTok was being run by Walmart. Yeah. It was fascinating, I thought. Every few years, there's going to be a new digital platform that comes out. It was TikTok a couple of years ago, and we know that, you know, almost, it seems like every four or five years, this one big social media platform that comes up and just explodes. Yep. And clearly, as more of them emerge, augmented reality, who knows what other kind of networks are going to emerge. And I'm sure retailers are going to make a play for owning some of these platforms at some point in time. Yeah. 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 Another interesting story that I really saw, Instacart's made a huge impact in the last few years in e-commerce in general. And I think you have to say that they have really pushed the boundaries in terms of efficiency, usability, and really popularizing the whole e-commerce, grocery e-commerce side. I saw something in the news that uh, the other day that Uber Eats and DoorDash are gonna get into the grocery delivery game. Yeah. And it seems like things are gonna heat up on the competition side from a who you can go to now for delivery. So essentially a retailer will have the option of 
being able to fulfill and deliver using these services, right? Right. And I think that's a really smart play on their part. I think what's happened, Shaker, is again, the COVID crisis has dramatically accelerated the growth of grocery online, right? And it has carried many retailers across that sort of inflection point where it was, yeah, okay, we're in it, it's interesting, but it's just not real important yet to all of a sudden, oh, this is a serious part of my business now, right? I'm doing 5% or 10% of my total business in online. And that is causing retailers to step back and understand, I need to have control of this. It's my experience. I want that relationship with the customers. So they're looking at, I think, in growing numbers, moving away from a reliance on Instacart to wanting that direct relationship with the customer and that works for buy online and pick up at the store. Actual home delivery is still really challenging from an economical perspective, but that's why I think there's an opening here for Uber Eats and DoorDash and, and others to step into that space, partner with retailers for that last mile. Yeah, I think that whole industry is going to heat up because like you said, retailers, I want to control the shopping experience, but try to outsource the delivery and the logistics, which is a big part of the cost that they're currently facing and trying to figure out how to optimize. Yeah, that's right. And with that, the, the retailer can retain control, retain that relationship through 90% of that online process, right? The retailer providing the online shopping experience, how they handle out of stocks, replacement products, all of that is part of their reputation, part of their brand. They're relying on Uber Eats or DoorDash or one of the others just for that final delivery stage. That's about the topics that we had to discuss today, but I wanted to tell listeners that on a monthly basis, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take one episode, look back at big retail news events coming up and maybe discuss some of those things on this show. But Gary, we probably should have done this in the very first episode, but I really wanted to make sure we credit the people who are putting this podcast together. You and I are having fun here on the show, (laughs) just chatting about topics. But really, our marketing interns at Birdseye did a phenomenal job putting this entire show together, and I definitely want to credit uh, Julia Cotier, who's been with us uh, for the summer, who actually suggested the idea of the podcast. And Erica Trykowski created our logo that you see here, the Retail Perch, bunch of us voted towards for the name of the podcast and Julie actually does the editing. Uh, Sweeney uh, is Sarah Sundara is the one who helps publish it across multiple podcast platforms. Uh, so it's just a, a, been a ton of work that's been done by these people. Gary and I, of course, get to just sit back here and have a cup of coffee and <laughs> have a nice conversation. But I really wanted to call out and thank these people because they've put on a lot of hours in making this happen. And big shout out to you guys. You guys have been amazing. The best group of interns that we've ever had. That's a great call out. Recognition well due and they've done a phenomenal job. That about brings us to the end of uh, this particular episode. Just to give you a heads up, if you've been listening for the past few episodes, we're trying to keep this interesting. And the next one coming up, you don't want to miss because I think this is going to be very, very unique. We're going to be talking about, you know, attitudinal behavior of shoppers and how it impacts shoppers' lifetime value, how you can measure it. We'll be talking to some people at Retail Feedback Group, and they've been doing this for 25 plus years. So we'll have Brian Numerville and Doug Maidenberg on the call on the next episode. So don't miss that. Gary, any parting words here? No, as usual, enjoyed the discussion. Look forward to the next one. I think you're right. It's going to be a fascinating discussion with those guys. Absolutely. And we had great fun talking to you guys. As always, if you have questions, please send it across. We'd love to get some guests. So if you want to participate in the program, 
write to us and we'll definitely see if we can include you. All right, with that, over and out. Bye-bye now. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. <laughs>